0: Welcome to the rebranded Skull Meat Love podcast. My name is Anne. I am joyed to have you here. You may recognize my voice and my tone from the Healer Haven podcast the last four seasons. That's true. That's me, one and the same. And we have introduced a not so much a new concept, but allowing all the parts to come forward into one space. A lot of Healer Haven was talking about science and spirituality, right? Believing in something bigger than yourself. And all of that is important and great. Yet it had some limitations and Skull Meat I really wanted to bring around to just talk about the human condition with a little bit of humor. And I wanted to incorporate the various parts of myself. I felt, although Healer Haven was amazing, I evolved, I learned, I connected with so many people, it was time to take it to that next step. And that's why you're here today at the Skull Meatloaf Podcast. Now, I know as people get introduced to new podcasts, they say to themselves, how will this benefit? What am I looking for? I am a firm believer above anything else. You find things for a reason. They come to you and sit on your lap, whether it's one episode or it's a whole series or it's a person, but something comes forward to say, hey, maybe you should have a look or have a listen. And that's what I'm hoping for today. If you find me, I'm glad that you're here. Now, as we look at the episode, and the season even, the season as a whole, season five of Skull Meat Loaf, is looking at lessons thus far. And I really wanted to focus on just the human condition, whether that is physiological, whether that is psychological, spiritual, again, just narratives of being you. Now, one of the other things that I also wanted to focus and, and talk about more than anything else is as we incorporate all these parts, as we are atoms floating or evolving creatures, no matter how you see it, that you're welcome here. And I said this already, whether it is an episode or whether it is the whole season, come when you need to, go when you need to, pause it, come back. I want this to be something that's an experience for you. And season five, above anything else, is going to be talking about our little flesh pockets Now we're filled with muscles and cells In yesterday's dinner, how we are evolving and existing all those things in one spot. Today, though, specifically today, in July of 2022, we're going to talk about a human emotion that a lot of us seek out on our worst and our best of days, happiness, finding happiness. And I know that probably at least once those of you that are listening, you said to yourself, I just want to be happy. This episode specifically is not to shame you for wanting happiness, it's to talk about the obsession and the addiction sometimes we have to it, whether it's to relief or happiness or to rush out of sometimes what people see as negative emotions. Not saying you can't want it, not saying that it's something you shouldn't experience, that's not mutually exclusive, it's to stop obsessing over it. There have been millions and millions of dollars, trillions of hours in people's lives across the world to finding that happiness sweet spot. And in my way, in, in, in my mind, a lot of it has been in an addiction. It's a cognitive cognitive process that we go through to kind of say, how do I find it? And sometimes when things are right in front of us, what happened to get us here? And I've seen people get very spiteful, even whether they come in for therapy or spiritual work or anything, even just friends, family members, they do, they get spiteful and they get stuck in those thoughts. So what do we know? And I'm going to start with what we know about addiction, not the emotion. What we know about addiction and what we know about repetitive toxic patterns, that it's often seeking something outside of ourselves. To get those happy neurotransmitters going, activated, or increased. We want those dopamine and serotonin boosts. Who the heck can blame you? Anybody that's felt moments of happiness, we say those core memory moments, we want to hang on to those. There's no selfishness to that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's when it becomes something you think about, and it's repetitive to the point where you're losing sight of things right in the moment. Oh, and let me tell you, those serotonin boosts, they're yummy. Not addiction, serotonin boosts. And whatever we attribute to those, though, those dopamine spikes and those serotonin spikes, it lights up our brain and says, me likey. But we also have to be careful with that, right? So I want to talk about three major areas of grief. As you talk about our topic today of consider not or consider divorcing the obsession or the addiction to happiness, I want to give you some things to think about today. And now anything, when I say consider, it doesn't mean think this way. The Scoby Loaf podcast is just giving you information and data. And if you want to take it in, cool. If it's good today, not. You might listen to it today. It doesn't, you know, kind of go off in your brain. It might be 10 years from now. You're like, hey, I remember that Antetaro girl. She was talking about that obsession. I'm ready to hear it now. It is about time and space and when you're ready. So if you're ready today, keep listening. Let's talk about my three areas of grief with happiness. One, we've made happiness into a state of being to seek out rather than the emotion that it is. Now listen to that again and pause it and replay it. We have made happiness into a state of being, to seek out rather than emotion that it is. They're meant to come and go. People get so frustrated. Whether again, like therapy, coaching, etc., everything they get frustrated that the human experience and condition and emotions that. They almost obsess over them. They are meant to come and go. And I will say to my clients, have your emotions for dinner. Have them over for dinner, but don't let them stay the weekend. Yet we have obsessed over finding it as a, long, a longitudinal state that we stand and that we attribute our life into rather than as a piece of our lives or a core memory that can be really good. Even if it's there for 10, 15 minutes, 15 days, still is good. But we obsess over that peace, that relief, that resolve. And who can blame you, right? Accepting happiness as one primary emotion it was used as survival. I tell people when they are in therapy that emotions came to when we were babies because we didn't have words to express it to our caregivers or people that were taking care of us. Everything from what we know from that cute movie Inside Out, right? Happiness or joy, sadness, fear, disgust. And anger, I always say, we'll come back to anger at a future date, but we're not including anger, and I'll explain why at future episodes. But those other four, they were there to show our caregivers that we needed something or we didn't. And that was the same for happiness or joy. The smiling is saying, My needs are met, caregiver. And as we became more complex creatures and our brains evolve, that's what Skull love is about, the brain evolving. We love those lobes. You'll hear me say lobe love often. You got to give that lobe love and develop and create secondary and tertiary emotions. And you, you get those from connecting to people and sometimes from loss and extreme pain. But we use something that used to be a way of communication for our needs, right, to now ultimately being a state of being that we feel we should be in all the time. It was meant to just be a communicator in the moment. It was meant to be short term. So, I encourage you, seeing it as a source of evolution, and a source of survival, and a source that's supposed to stay for a moment, but maybe not stay forever. So two, let's get down to number two. We give other emotions too much grief. We've made the other emotions almost as venomous spider or spiders or an object of avoidance. It's often intrusive thoughts that worsen or intensify our feelings. But it's not the feelings themselves that are bad. They're just there, again, to help us survive, exist, and and to work in the world around us. I've found we are often mad at the wrong things some days. We will go into those intrusive thoughts at another time, because I do think it's a pretty big culprit. But today, it's just emotions. I remember reading And I want to share this with you. The Dalai Lama and Archbishop Tutu. I read the book, The Book of Joy. Very good. Tough read because it's written dialogue, but the meat of it is spot on. It changed my life in a lot of ways. To stop avoiding the other emotions and stop being so upset with them when they arose. It's discussed that the greatest joy often comes from parents, caregivers, like at birth. They were talking about that the greatest joy has come from what we have said to be as one of the worst pains, which is childbirth itself. But noticing that you needed one for the other. And that's what they discussed with each other. That you can't have one without the other. There has to be balance. And if there is something bad, something good will come eventually or vice versa. If something, if you're a fortune teller and you have somebody that has anxiety and you say, in the future, this all these things may, may happen that are all bad. Yeah, well, if it's a chance for something bad to happen, it could also be good. But contrast and balance or in DBT we call the wise mind approach. Now I'm sharing these things with you to stop and think. I'm sharing with you to stop and think about your relationship with the word happiness. That phrase, if things can go on well, unwell, it means they can go well too. That there's room on your emotional bookshelf if you choose to make the space. Finding contentedness, right? Finding contentedness is a way to experience emotions. That these things that help you protect and process to pull yourself through. And I'm not talking about just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's ignoring emotion or repressing. I'm talking about allowing it to be there. Allow that emotion to be there without obsessing or trying to hang on to it too long. Now let's do number three. Happiness isn't made to be sustained. This is kind of a break off of number one. And some people may look at this and be like, oh my gosh, this is a little bit of an angsty episode. No, it's a realistic episode. And you know that I will be real with you. I like balance. It's an emotion we experience in the moment. It's not meant to stay. No emotion is meant to stay. They're meant to come and go. I make the analogy when I talk to people. Okay, now if you smile, how long before it hurts? Probably three to five minutes. Okay, now if you frown or flat face, how long could you stay that way before it hurts? they are like, oh my gosh, months, years. That's just an analogy. It's something tangible. But if you felt happy and elated all the time, by the way, you'd be exhausted. It's the same. It's the same, even with severe sadness for too long. When people stay things for too, too long, eventually they get extremely exhausted. We got to remember to keep those emotions in their lane. Like moving with sadness, percolating too long, sadness turns into misery. As a state of being fear too long is anxiety. And oddly enough, too much of anything is not good. Even joy because people get exhausted. And I want to give you another example. Those of you that are listening are a lot of caregivers and healers. Whether it's from Healer Haven podcast or from my other platforms, you are familiar with the concept of masking, putting on the golden retriever front, recovering perfectionists like myself, those who come to therapy even because they put on a mask when they're unwell. And after a day of masking people are tired. They are spent. I know I have been or some days when I feel like I've had to eventually use up all your executive functioning and you're on E. You're on empty. And if we felt happiness at a sustained high level for too long, I truly do think that we would go almost into hibernation for 12 or like 11 months out of the year, my goodness. And if you're being a smart aleck and being like, oh my gosh, that sounds great. I want to go into hibernation, right? Those right there, you, you're probably the youngest or the middle child, or you love dark humor, which is great. You're a yeah butter, or maybe potentially you're severely depressed, which by the way, if you want to hibernate for open months, think of why. (laughs) And if it is the latter, that you're feeling not so good, connect to somebody and talk to somebody. I'll always give you those little plugs. These are educational only, and it doesn't assume relationship. I don't reflect my employers. One thing I do do is I feel like education is telling people, if you feel like you need more help, go get it, okay? Regardless, going back, sustaining the way of thinking affects us greatly, okay? Thinking certain ways affects us greatly. So let's sum this up a little bit, right? If there's anything I have learned about sustainable change for over a decade as a therapist and my own mental health recovery, In order for there to be sustainable change, if we're taking something away, like if you've been obsessing or seeking out happiness, we got to replace it. And that's the same with addictive thought process. you got to replace it. So we have to have some other longitudinal state of goal or something else to replace it. And I've replaced mine with contentedness is something I seek. Being content. I feel it's reasonable to want balance, to feel satisfied, to feel calm more days than not. I'm really unsure, to be honest, I'm unsure of the percentages, like what I want to be or what days are what. I don't really know what it looks like. I'm still figuring it out. Again, 34 years seems it's a third the way through, but still not long enough, it feels. I allow myself a grace period to just observe and learn rather than eating, needing answers, eating answers rather than needing answers. Now, the hardest lessons yet are still to come, and I know that, and I'm still working alongside you. I tell people as a therapist, I've never claimed to have this life all figured out. And as I do this podcast, I don't. My point of Skolmiel is that I'm working alongside alongside you. I'm right here with you. I do believe, though, that I truly have become an expert, whether as a therapist, an educator, a supervisor, a spiritualist, of coming back to the drawing board and having hope on the darkest of days. And contentedness does that for me. I remind myself sometimes when I'm really low that I'm probably seeking out that happiness when really I just want to be content and realizing the time frame of what's realistic to existing to, to existing. If I know that my emotions are just coming there to hang out, I let it be. Most days I even confuse contentness with boredom. Because I was so used to having high emotions and and situations where I had high emotions that I got confused. I thought I was bored. That was a lot in my high school years. But that's not boredom. And it's not sadness. It's just okay. I had to really learn to be okay with being okay. I had to be flexible in the way that I thought. And we're going to talk about flexibility a lot in this season. I know if people like skills, the DBT Wise Mind Approach skill is a great one. Again, I don't override any medical recommendations from your professionals, but I do recommend it's a great skill that there's a lot of PDFs online to go check out. There's a lot of articles and it's an incredible approach that talks about finding balance. And I know for myself, when I start getting caught up in micro labels and happiness and expectations and resolve, I fall back into not only my perfectionism, my mental health conditions, and I feel stuck again. And I know that your journey is and will look different. But if you notice you're falling in those same patterns, maybe it's time to adjust a little bit. Like I said, the title of this is to consider, not to be. I'm not here to recruit little minions. But I do want people to have ideas and to come back to the drawing board. And share your own right into me. Send me a comment or message. You can through Anchor and Spotify and other platforms. You can send me in a question or something that you have. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm gonna sum up here. This all doesn't mean you aren't meant to have moments of happiness. Again, it's just to consider. Find a space to process, share ideas. Consider contentedness as a new possibility. That satisfaction is okay. That I've done what I could do. I'm where I am because it's where I am. I'm pleased with it. Maybe fulfillment. We use fulfillment when we talk about customer service and products that maybe we need to talk to about our lives. And now I want you to think about that. I'm going to do a little visualization exercise. I want you to pause this. And I want you to pause for a second and think about a time that you felt fulfilled, content, calm. Pause me. Unpause me. <laughs> it's called safe place imagery If people like using it in therapy. It's a great exercise. But you think about a place. Use your five senses to think about a place that where you did have that relief. And sometimes you need those places to hang on to your core memories. Happiness has definitely served its purpose. It created core memories. So you could find that safe place on hard days. How many of us live for people or situations or the hope, those thoughts that something will get better? Happiness absolutely has its purpose still. It deserves to be at the table. The drive and the grind is a culture we're going to talk about. And all in itself, most of us don't even know that we're in it or how bad it is. You're probably listening to me because you either know me or you don't know me and are trying to find some relief, but that obsession with happiness is a byproduct of the grind culture. And the one way to get your control back, that locus of control, which again we'll talk about, is the standpoint to be flexible in your mindset. Be open to a possibility. Consider. I'm not asking a recruiting. Just consider. I'm hoping you stay so we can learn together. I can teach you what I do know. We can talk about it in Dialogue. That's what it's about. You just keep learning and divorce the grand culture. It's the greatest gift we can give ourselves in the generations to come. So what do you think? If you like this, I hope you come back and I hope you see you again. If not, then well travels, whether in the future or whatever it may be, I wish you the best. And since the world is very small, I know that we'll meet again or know somebody that's met somebody. So Thanks for tuning in to the first episode of Skull Meatloaf Podcast, and I'm Anne Until the next episode, as always, evolve and heal on, whatever that means for you today, my friends.